On the block, on demand. Hey, you hear that? The holder, Riley Dixon, and the kicker, Cole Murphy. Spot is down. The kick by Murphy is up and in. And orange uniforms pour out onto the field. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Tiramina steps up, he shoots, he scores! Matt Tiramina in overtime! Syracuse wins 2-1. to one. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. The fields make me wanna Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Here is your host. Got a bad feeling about the Brent Axe. We've got hoops. We got lots of hoops. We got walking down memory lane why Syracuse UConn still matters. Plenty more to get into here is on the block. Presented by Burdick Toyota commences for hour number two hope you're getting over the hump we're glad that you're here to do it you can listen now that's a beautiful thing or you can listen later on your time on demand subscribe to espn syracuse on the itunes and google play and receive daily podcasts of this program orange nation in the booth the daniel baldwin show you listen when you want uh, important basketball matters to discuss but from the on the block text line uh, thanks, Brent. I'm driving home listening to your show, and guess what I'm hungry for now? I'm stopping by the deli to pick up some bologna, because that's what my brain is telling me that I want. Truthfully, sometimes there's nothing better than a good old fried bologna sandwich. We brought up uh, Doug Marone's affinity for bologna, as people in Jacksonville are now discovering in the last hour of the show. Should we do a top five bologna? Can I, can I pull that off? Number five. I don't know if I know five different bolognese. Let's see. There's Wonder Bar. There's Hoffman. There's Oscar Mayer. There's got to be a couple more here. There's got to be. But number one for me. Number one. Hoffman, baby. You got to spend that extra money. Get that Hoffman bologna. Wonder Bar is not bad once in a while. Don't get me wrong, but Hoffman's where it's at. Oscar Mayer once in a while. Once in a while, I'll pick that up, throw it in the cart. Although the preservatives in that, I'd really prefer not to think about that, but... You got to go Hoffman, baby. Go local. All right, let's talk some hoops. I don't know how you make a transition from that to Syracuse hoops talk other than probably what I'm about to say you'll think that I'm full of baloney. Now, I want to get into the game and the details of that and and what we saw last night and, and how it pertains to this team and how they got through a very important stretch exactly the way they needed to. Syracuse had to win two out of those three in that Maryland-Kansas-UConn stretch. And guess what, kids? They did. Mission accomplished there, and now they kind of move on to a part of their schedule that you'd certainly have to manage. Colgate coming up and teams you should beat and non-conference games that will not be as tough as the stretch that Syracuse just saw, although St. Bonaventure looks like it certainly could be a tough game. And Georgetown's a rivalry game, and it's on the road, but Georgetown's non-conference slate has just been embarrassing. So Syracuse should go in there and stomp them because they're going to finally face a real team. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Nostalgia matters. And I want to relate Syracuse-UConn to something we're all going through right now. It amazes me how the world stops every year in December. We live in a society where technology rules, new things happen, our attention spans have never been shorter, technology makes our lives better in a lot of ways, right? You got an Alexa in your house? I'm about to make Alexa listen to me. Ready? Alexa, 
Play ESPN Syracuse. Congratulations. Your Alexa is now playing me. Right? Yet, what happens every year this time of the year? You go in the basement, you get a box or two, or some of you, many, and you put up the same Christmas decorations. Now, do you have some new things? I can't help but go to Home Depot and you're like, whoa, look at that. I got to get a giant inflatable Rudolph to put in my yard, right? So you certainly add to the collection every year, but there's that Christmas ornament that your kid made in 1975 or something that your nephew gave you in 1987 or my grandmother gave me this. Holidays are about tradition. When you listen to Christmas music, and I am that guy, I listen to Christmas music a lot this time of the year. They have not recorded a new Christmas song past the year 1989. I'm convinced of this, right? I know that's not factually true, but it feels like it, right? It's all those old songs from like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. By the way, go back and listen to Baby It's Cold Outside and relate it to the world today. It's like kind of creepy, actually. What's in that drink? Oh, baby, it's cold outside. Like, well, you're kind of like that. That's not appropriate. But anyway, cookies, the cookie recipe that you bake is probably the same one your grandmother made and probably came from her grandmother, right? Holidays are about traditions, passing things on linked to the past. That's what Syracuse UConn is. As long as Jim Beheim walks that sideline, which he's going to do until the year 2032, and Jim Calhoun's in the stands watching the game, as long as your Marathon Men t-shirt still fits, as long as ESPN at the ready, frothing at the mouth, because they've got all this archived Big East footage and they're going to use it. What's that? Syracuse, Yukon, Madison Square Garden. Put up the bat signal. We've got all the archive footage. I need Rip Hamilton. I need Ray Allen. I need Derek Coleman. Six overtimes. Give me all the six overtimes, right? If you played a drinking game last night, of all the times that Dan Shulman, and as long as Dick Vitale sit in courtside and can remember and speak about Syracuse, Yukon, because he was there. We want that link to the past. It's why Stranger Things is in and nostalgia is in. And no matter how old you get, you yearn for a certain period of time in your life. So it still matters. Syracuse-UConn was the second game, the primetime game, even though the game before it last night was a matchup of two top 12 teams, Villanova-Gonzaga. Even though Gonzaga, based in Seattle, played a basketball game their time at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because it was a 7 o'clock Eastern start. Why? Because they knew the garden would be packed and it would be better television and a better primetime thing to put it. As Jim Beheim mentioned last night, this rivalry and the fans, and it still matters. You know, it's, it's a, it was a great rivalry. We had great games, great memories. Um but, you know, it's when you're in a league, you're in a league, and that's what's important, and it, it's just the way it is. But it's, it was fun coming here. They had a huge group of fans. We had a huge group of fans. And uh, I don't think any two schools are going to put more people in the garden than, than, you know, what we put in there tonight. It was pretty impressive, I thought. UConn puts more in them than St. John's does, which is kind of sad, given their status. But he's, he's dead on. 
when he mentions it. So it still matters. We still want to do it. As much as I think this is going to come to an end, clearly we're not ready to. The old feelings were there. It felt like a bigger game. The fan bases still go at it. It still matters. And it's going to for a while. Just like you hang the same Christmas stocking over the chimney this year, every year for the last 30 years. It's appropriate that Syracuse and UConn play at holiday time because time stops. You hit the pause button on life this time of the year, right? It's kind of appropriate. Speaking of time and honoring and looking in the past, Syracuse making it official today that Dennis Duvall and Lawrence Moten are going to have their jerseys retired. They are next. Should they be? We'll have a discussion about that next. That's a bad tease. Lawrence Moten, I mean, give me a break. Where have you been on that? But what's the process with this, and is it something we should care about as much as we do? Now, that's a better tease. We'll discuss that next. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Sure is, voice man. It is presented by SRC Incorporated. They are growing. They are looking for software or systems engineers. So why don't you go apply at srcinc.com. Make it happen. So we'll get more into Syracuse-UConn here, uh, those that had great games like Matthew Moyer and those who didn't, like Frank Howard, and whether those two things were blips on the radar screen or if the normal trends in both of those departments will take hold again when Syracuse starts back up. Now, Colgate, you would imagine, would not be that game, but what did we see last night? Did we see the start of a trend or a reverse of one? We will get into that coming up. So Dennis Duvall and Lawrence Moten are the latest players to have their jerseys retired. Now, let us always clarify here. They're not having their numbers retired. They're having their jerseys retired and or honored, which I think is great. But this will lead me to my annual rant about this, that you don't do this enough. There are not enough jerseys hanging at the Carrier Dome. There are certainly not enough jerseys hanging in the War Memorial given the rich history of all that's taken place in that building between the Syracuse Nationals, all the hockey teams that played there, and the Crunch themselves. I have begged, borrowed, pleaded, and have not quite stolen yet, but maybe that's what I have to do with the Syracuse Crunch to say, you've been here 24 years, you need to tell people this. Now, they did a great job with the new kind of murals that are in the hallways of the War Memorial, and not just Crunch. You know, Bruce Springsteen, who played the War Memorial on the day of my birth, which is just one of the most fantastic tidbits of my life. It was meant to be. So they're they're doing better there. But when I walk in and I sit down and I watch a hockey game there, I should be hit in the face with who has come before me. And I think the Crunch have been way too sensitive about this. They, they, they have overthought it. And I am not telling tales out of school here. I have said this to Howard Dolgan and Jim Sorosi in person. You're overthinking this. Put the jerseys out there and let people know who played here. Now, Syracuse got much better at this in recent years in both football and basketball, but there is a glaring lack of this in lacrosse. You have some of the greatest players that have ever played the game. And when I sit down in that building and I watch a game, I am not reminded of that. And that is a flaw. When you have a rich history, such as you do, you need to celebrate it. Now, on that note, 
Lawrence Moten, it took us this long to get to Lawrence Moten. And look, we reached out. I want to know what's the process. How did they decide whose jerseys get honored? Not retired. That's the ultimate. But even just honoring jerseys. So we reached out, and the response that we got was, it's a decision made by the basketball program and the athletics administration. Well, that's a mistake. Because why do the fans not have a say in that? Why are you not soliciting, using your website, your social media, this show, people you're affiliated with, to take the temperature of your fan base and say, who should be next? Why are you only doing one or two a year? There are a number of names that should be up there now that aren't. And I can go through them. Jerry McNamara is one. Rudy Hackett's another. Jimmy Lee's another. Now, Dennis Duvall, I think, is a great choice in this sense. It will bring an entire, and I'm going to use the word generations, not just a generation. Generations, plural. They're like, okay, I've heard the name, but what's what's his deal? Dennis Duvall played in the early 1970s. He played at a time when freshmen couldn't even play. Still one of the top 21 scorers in Syracuse history. Thousand-point scorer. Tremendous talent. Let me read you what uh, Jim Beheim said about Dennis Duvall. Because, look, Lawrence Moten, all-time leading scorer. I mean, when I played lacrosse, I jacked up my socks in honor of Lawrence Moten. Poetry and Moten. I mean, I don't really need to go through the history there. That's pretty obvious, and he should have been there about a decade ago. But it's guys like Duvall and Billy Gaber and Wilmus That Sing and some names you're like, whoa, who's that? That's what this is all about. You're honoring those that watch them, but you're teaching a new generation who they are. Here's what Beheim said about Dennis Duvall. Dennis was an All-American. He could do it all. He could defend, he could pass the ball, he was a really good shooter and scorer, and he was one of the greatest, most talented players we've had at Syracuse. So that's great that two more jerseys will go up there, one that should have been there a long time ago, and one we're like, that's a good choice. That's a sort of an out-of-the-box choice, but a good one, because that's what you do. All these great players that have played here, you know what you do? You remind people about it. You put those jerseys up there, and then when they're at the game, or more importantly, before the game, people look up there and they say, who? They say, why? Cameras point up there, and it's talking points during the game. It's a commercial for your legacy, which is why you need to do this more. And I don't understand why every time this comes up, and I bring this up, that they're not doing it. Now, I brought it up earlier in the show. I don't want to get too bent out of shape about awards and how people honor their history. It's 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 their program. I don't want to tell them what to do, but I'm here to tell you that your fans are passionate. They're well-educated about what you do, and they need to be involved in this. You know, I get an email back, and it says, well, it's a decision made by the basketball program and the athletics administration. That's fine, but... Think of the opportunities there to get your fans involved. Reach out a little bit. Make this fun. Make it, you know, you don't want to make it a gimmicky contest because you're honoring people, but there's got to be a way that we can be more involved in this, right? And I'm not just saying this because I want to be more involved. I'm saying this because you need to be involved. Now, that being said, 
When I saw Dennis Duvall, my eyebrows arched. I'm not going to lie. And that's no disrespect to Dennis. Trust me, he's well worthy of the honor. It's more like, what's the process? What's the order? here? See, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Baseball Hall of Fame. We know what the process is. Five years after you retire, here's the list. And here are the people that vote for it. And every year we argue about it. And at least, okay, well, this guy didn't get in this year. What about next year? With this process for Syracuse, we don't know what it is. It's random. It's just like, here we are in 2017, and all of a sudden, yeah, Lawrence Moton's in. Lawrence Moton should have like, been the first guy up there when you started doing this, right? So enough about awards and enough about retired jerseys, because I can't get all bent out of shape about that. But this is just my annual rant when this comes up. To the Crunch, to the Chiefs, to Syracuse, to whoever else is in the sound of my voice that matters. Honor yourself more. Don't overthink this. You have rich histories in this town that people want to relive or learn about. And that is a spectacular way to do it. Well, is he worthy of it? Look, we can debate the merit of how that gets done and who gets up there and why. I mean, you can't just throw... No offense to my man, Billy Selig. I don't think he's making it up there, right? So, yes, there's got to be a line here, but it's a good problem to have for a lot of our local teams, and I just wish they would recognize that. Okay. Let me break on that note. When we come back, we will get more into last night's game. What I'm wondering with Frank Howard and Matthew Moyer is if these were blips on the radar screen or the reversal of trends. We will discuss that next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. It's presented by SRC Incorporated. SRC is growing, and they are looking for software or systems engineers. Is that you? You need to apply at SRCINC.com. Let's do this. Hit me with that fancy open. Hot take time, baby. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for hot takes on the block. So Jerry Jones, in an attempt to basically sabotage Roger Goodell's contract extension, all he did was come off like the angry old man on his porch trying to stop the Roger Goodell contract extension. And he had uh, good motivation uh, in that department, given the Ezekiel Elliott situation and some other things here. But uh, Roger got his contract extension, five-year extension, $200 million. Now, the interesting thing about that is 90% of this is incentive-based. 90% of this is meeting league goals, meeting standards, because let's cut through all the BS. The number one job of the commissioner of the National Football League is to what? Make television deals. That's the gig. The NFL deal, the big deal with the, you know, the main, con. there's other mini contracts like the year-by-year Thursday night football thing and the digital deals you're doing with Amazon and, and Yahoo and things of that nature and Twitter, right? But the big fat TV deal that makes everybody, you know, dive into their Scrooge McDuck vault of money every morning is up in 2021. That's Roger Goodell's main gig. The second gig of a commissioner is to be a punching bag, 
to be the upfront voice and the punching bag for the owners. So when there's league problems, concussions, Colin Kaepernick, right? Things that are controversial. They shove Roger out there and he takes the hits. The third thing that the commissioner does is collectively bargain. And that's coming up in a few years as well. And then we start getting into other things about dealing with league discipline, which Roger Goodell has certainly made his biggest mark on. Really, at the end of the day, what is Goodell's legacy? He has misfired on discipline, on Deflategate, on Ray Rice. At one time, a guy that cleaned up the league and was referred to as the Ginger Hammer now is the guy that botches everything and has become a very well compensated person. But Jerry's attempt to submarine that deal, I mean, I think Jerry knew it wasn't going to happen. He just kind of wanted to embarrass him. It's like when Trump interviewed Mitt Romney for Secretary of State. We all knew that wasn't happening. He just wanted to parade him out there and embarrass him. That's what, stick to sports, bro. Yay, democracy. That's what Jerry Jones was doing to Roger Goodell. He pissed him off because of the Zeke Elliott thing. So we... We talked about the stories written on ESPN, Don Van Nata, Seth Wickerstam, some of the best investigative journalism in sports this year and what Jerry was saying in that room. I'm going to come at you with everything I have and, you know, never underestimate good old fashioned ego in sports. But ultimately, that's hot. Jerry failed. What did you do? Roger Goodell had lost credibility. He can't lose any more credibility with NFL football fans. What did you really do? And he just got his extension anyway, so. Good job out of you. I don't know. Speaking of controversial things, now, again, I don't like to get worked up about awards. Who gets this award? Who gets that award? I mean, you have an award. You give it to somebody. Good for you. It's not something that should be a hot-button topic. Now, that being said, I saw quite a few awards going to Colin Kaepernick that I felt probably shouldn't, given that J.J. Watt raised over $35 million for hurricane relief in Houston. So I was glad to see J.J. Watt got the Sportsman of the Year Award from Sports Illustrated. And today was the time person of the year. And, like, it's the end of the year. So all this stuff starts flowing in. And who gets awards? And why do they hand them out? Are you trying to be socially conscious? Well, Colin Kaepernick received the Sports Illustrated Muhammad Ali Award. It's the Muhammad Ali Legacy Award, which honors an athlete who uses their platform to further change. Kaepernick, who has donated over a million dollars of his own money to the cause, was honored for it. He was surprised with the award by presenter Trevor Noah, who's in town this week, right, Seth? I believe that show is coming up soon, or if it hasn't already happened, I lose track of these things. But Trevor brought out Beyonce. Now, the reason I wanted to circle back on this is what we have not heard from and the who we have not heard from through this whole thing is Colin Kaepernick. He lets his actions speak. He's not doing interviews. Let's just put it this way. He's not LeVar Ball when it comes to this stuff. He has let his actions speak. He has not done any interviews. He has not sat down in 60 minutes. He, as I brought up, donates money, donates time, and like the influence of what he did and the movement he started, agree or disagree with it, and I have made it abundantly clear, I disagree with it, but to be fair... We haven't heard from the guy. Well, we heard from him a little bit last night, so I at least wanted to play this clip in the interest of fairness because he hasn't really spoken about this whole thing. He's let his actions speak for themselves. I accept this award knowing that the legacy of Muhammad Ali is that of a champion of the people and one who was affectionately known as the people's champ. 
I accept this award not for myself, but on behalf of the people. Because if it were not for my love for the people, I would not have protested. And if it was not for the support from the people, I would not be on this stage today. With or without the NFL's platform, I will continue to work for the people because my platform is the people. Now, again, the question is, what is your platform? What is your message? That's hot. It's gotten lost in a sea of Trump politics, division, making this about something that it wasn't. And that's exactly what I said a year ago. Don't do this because your message will get lost. He got an award for something last night. I don't even know what it is anymore because it's just gone out the window in, in this crazy world that we live in today. And that's a shame in a way, even though I disagree with him. So let me get this straight. Willie Taggart can leave Oregon and go to Florida State and everybody's going to pay the bill. Like Florida State will pay Oregon, whatever it is, the escape clause is. Six years, $30 million is his deal to coach at Florida State. Taggart, who was hired at Oregon in December of 2016, last year, went 7-5 and five in his first season there, replacing Mark Helfrich, who was a disaster in Oregon, taking over for Chip Kelly. Look, I get it. He's a Florida native. He's back in his home state. Some coaches like this, they're, they're, they're you know, they're vagabonds. They just like to go all over the country. Some people don't like to stay in one place. Now, a year is kind of ridiculous, but some people are like this. Okay, I'm not one of these people. I have lived and worked here my entire life, and I'm very happy with that. I've had opportunities to go elsewhere, trust me. Technically, I have gone elsewhere. I worked for the Buffalo Bills Radio Network for three years, but I did it while living and working here. I've had opportunities. I get I get offers more frequently than you think, at least conversations, people reaching out, getting interest. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good where I am. I'm one of those people that... I'm like Jim Beheim and I share this affinity. I think Syracuse, New York is the greatest place in the world in a lot of ways. And Jim Beheim and I think Syracuse is the greatest place in the world for a lot of the same reasons. Because when it's basketball season, we're working, right? He's working, I'm working, I'm covering the team, he's coaching the team, the weather's lousy anyway. I do get out and snowshoe and do some things, but mostly I'm working and I'm like embedded in it. And the next thing you know, you lift your head up and it's April and the weather's great and we're not working as much, but still working, but you can enjoy the outdoors. The weather's fantastic. The the housing in central New York, and I'm, I'm not speaking for Bayheim now, I'm speaking for myself, but you look at the housing market, you look at the food, you look at the people, you look at the four seasons. I mean, I don't want to make this about a, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do a commercial for Syracuse, New York, but I love this town and I love central New York. I'm a central New York boy and I always will be. So we're like that. Willie Taggart's not like that. He likes to move and bounce around and go here and go there. Where's the big offer? But again, so let me get this straight. Willie Taggart can do this. But if the starting quarterback at Oregon, if he's not a grad fifth-year player, if he wants to go to Florida State, he's got to wait a year. Somebody please explain to me how that makes sense. Because it doesn't. It's ridiculous. And I know Beheim included, and this is one of those things that Jim Beheim and I vehemently disagree with each other. And he brought it up a couple weeks ago about transfers, and you're just going to have all these transfers flooding the market, looking to go elsewhere if the rules change and you don't have to wait a year, to which I have always said, too bad. If a kid goes to a college and he's 19 years old and he figures out this is not the school for me, this is not the football program for me, 
he should have the opportunity to go elsewhere, just like his coach did, just like Jimbo Fisher did, and other names that I can go over. They're just the latest examples. Could kids manipulate that system and, you know, pit one school against the other for playing time? I'm not saying there isn't flaws in my plan, but the fact that you make the student-athletes wait a year if they want to go somewhere, but Willie Taggart can go on a recruiting trip for Oregon and arrive in Florida, the head coach of Florida State, something's broken in that system when they can do that. Okay, student-athletes and their scholarships don't have out clauses and agents and people working things for them, though they should. So please explain to me that's hot. why that's okay. But if a kid wants to go somewhere else and he's not a fifth-year transfer, uh, you're going to have to sit over here for a year, son. It's ridiculous is what it is. People in Jacksonville are learning something that we know well here in Syracuse, New York, about Doug Marone. Now, all kidding aside about Doug and his dream job and St. Doug and all the stuff we've said in recent years— Doug Marone is in the short conversation to be the coach of the year in the National Football League. If you have the Jacksonville Jaguars at 8-4, and four, and they should be 9-3, and because, frankly, Marone blew a game two weeks ago with time management, but, you know, all coaches have bad days. You are 8-4, and four, should be 9-3, and three, and Blake Bortles is your freaking quarterback? Just give it to him right now. Now, they went old school. They brought in Coughlin, they brought in Marone, they changed everything. They said, we're going to run the football, we're going to play physical defense. The talent's always been there. They traded for Darius, they have built up this team. That's a playoff team in Jacksonville. Jacksonville has made more playoff appearances in recent years than a certain team that's had the longest playoff drought in football history. Let's just not talk about that, right? So they're learning about Doug the coach and all those things. You know what else they're learning in Jacksonville that we well know here in Syracuse and Buffalo Bills fans well know from his very short stint there in Western New York? And again, you want to talk about Marone as a coach? Marone is the last coach that had the Bills seriously on the cusp of the playoffs. Say all you want about the guy in his $4 million buyout, which again, I would have taken two given the situation. But let me get to the real news here. People in Jacksonville are learning about Doug Marone's affinity for baloney. Is a 30 to 10 win worth double baloney, fried baloney? No, I got, you know what's so funny is I got, you know, there's, there's, there's some people in town that I've, I've worked with when, when I was at Syracuse University. One of my former teammates is here and a couple of other people. So my wife's got, uh, she's got all the Christmas crap up, you know, like, like boxes are all through the house. So I got to, I got to go out to dinner and, but. Believe me, it's, it's home. I was thinking about you guys last night. There was a little brown on the bologna, you know, because after a while it gets a little late, and I was like, I'm going to eat it anyway. I don't care. <laughs> Normally I fry it, but I was too damn hungry. I yeah, I know, I know. I, pre- I appreciate it. I'm just saying it's the one I'm out. Just don't give me <laughs> about it tomorrow. <laughs> I appreciate Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Doug Marone and his affinity of bologna. See, I just. There's certain things that if I reach a certain status in life, okay? Now, I make a pretty good living doing what I do. But I've got a confession to make to you. I get bologna every week when I go to Wegmans. I don't know what it is. I have a bologna sandwich probably two or three times a week. I don't have the love for it that Marone does, but I find myself eating bologna too. And it's like, 
you grow up, you become an adult, you get a job, you have a reasonable income. You don't have to eat it anymore. You ate bologna as a kid because that's what your mother put in front of you, right? There are certain things in life you don't have to do when you grow up. And one of those things is eat bologna. But guess what? I do it too. Now, here's what kills me, though. Here you have an NFL football coach, a well-compensated NFL football coach, and he comes home from the game, well-deserved victory. He's got the team 8-4, and four, win, lose, or draw. You get your moment. It's like, okay, if there's one thing I'm going to spend my NFL money on, it's food. And what does he have? Baloney. Dino Babers, head coach, Syracuse football. What does he have as his post-game meal going back to his days as a poor assistant coach? Fried noodles, as he calls it, which is ramen. It's ramen noodles. Ramen noodles. Bologna. If I'm an NFL head coach and I'm making NFL money, let's just say my post-game spreads are not going to be that. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, coach. Okay? Mario Batali's coming over and catering the dinner. All right? Where's Emeril? I'm hiring Emeril, and he is catering my dinner. All right? Bam. Get me Jada and, and Rachel Ray and line them up. 16 games. Here's your fee. Bing, bang, boom. See, that? this is another thing that I appreciate about Jim Beheim. You think Jim Beheim's eating bologna? No, 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 no. Jim Beheim's a foodie. This is something we should do when we talk to Coach tomorrow. You you name a city, and Jim Beheim, off the top of his head, will give you 10 restaurants you should go to in that city. He's a foodie. He gets it. He's like, look, I'm a well-compensated head coach, which means I'm going to eat well. Bologna? I like bologna. I eat bologna, but I'm not an NFL head coach. I'm not a college head coach. Guys, talk to Doug Marone and Dino Babers. You know Jim Beheim. You can call Jim Beheim. You can you can consult with Jim Beheim on this. Why are you eating bologna and fried noodles? Look, to each his own. A man eats what he wants to eat, but you you are insulting the little people here that are like, if I had your job. And your salary, I would be baloney. Thanks, Brent. Thank you, Coach. So no matter where Doug goes, the baloney's still good, apparently. It just that kills me. It just comes home and he has a baloney sandwich and Gatorade. If anything, coaches are very they are creatures of habit, right? They are creatures of habit. So I guess I will give them that. And that's no baloney. We're gonna talk some Syracuse Hoops top of the hour. Not only about last night's game. And the good, bad, and ugly of it, as we usually do. But, look, this thing still matters. As much as we want to turn the page on it, and eventually Syracuse will not play UConn every year, will not play Georgetown every year, and you kind of have to, as the trailer for The Last Jedi tells me, you have to move on from the past. Sometimes you have to kill the past. We're not ready to do that yet. Clearly, we're not ready to do that yet. And I think this time of the year is very appropriate to have this discussion because time freezes. When it's holiday time. We will discuss that coming up. Stay right there. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.